Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We are live in the morning. Very early morning. It's early. It's early. Guys, we had to beat the heat. The heat. So everyone knows I have to turn off my fans when we record because they're too loud, which honestly, I still have one on because I I just can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. And so I have like created little ways to hide my fans, but we are in a GD heat wave, people. 36 degrees today for us. That is too much. It was hot yesterday, and I usually am one that likes the heat and doesn't complain, and even I was like, mm-mm. And I don't I like the heat and always complain, so I woke up complaining yesterday. Yeah, it was pretty brutal, but so we're here very early in the morning, uh, which we're both like morning-ish people, but yeah. I feel like we still, I still feel we like sound a little bit bad, of, I feel like feel a little great. bit of a frog in the morning, so. Same. We both did a little like me 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 before yeah. this started. So yeah, but here life. we go. Here we go. Um, before we start, the business as usual. If you don't already, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Instagram, we're the most active. Um, wherever you're listening right now, you should be able to like, subscribe. Give a five-star rating review, all the good things. You can subscribe. I'm wondering if I don't understand threads, though. Well, probably. I haven't even tried threads. I'm so. just, like, posting random shit being like, answer my question. I think it is very similar to Twitter, which you were very good at, so I can't imagine that you're going to have too hard of a time. Twitter just scared me. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, though, you can actually sign up to get notifications for when our episodes go up. Um, I have those on because I like to see when Katie posts the episode so that I know to post the social media. Uh, and it is really easy. You just get like this little notification at the top that says that we have a new episode. So yeah, if you listen on Spotify, you can do that. And that's, that's the business. That's it. Yeah. And to anyone who's followed us on threads lately, I don't know what I'm doing, but thank you. I keep getting little notifications like, oh, so-and-so followed you. And I'm like, oh, Thank sweet. You. I'll have to check that out. I still haven't. Oh, also, uh, our stickers should be sent out today. I have all the sticker packs um, up, and I will be Ooh. mailing those out. And I guess we should announce the winner of our giveaway Yay! as well. Uh, so I did all the draws and the polling yesterday. And Kelly, listener Kelly, I'm not going to say your last name, but I will you reach know out who to you. You know who you are. You know who you are. Kelly is, I was so happy that she won because she is a big fan of ours. She always messages us suggestions and lets us know she loves the show. So congratulations, Kelly. Uh, I will reach out to you so, girl. via probably DM. However you reached out to me is how I will reach out to you and we'll get your shirt size and I'll get everything sent out. So congratulations. Um, but yeah, that's it. That is that's it. it. That's the business. That's the business. Yeah. Anything else new? I'm tired. I know, me too. You know what? No. Maybe we'll have some new stuff at the end when we're awake by the end of this. 
No, nothing. Well, nothing is super new except for uh, where I where I ride horses at the barn that I do like chores and stuff <laughs> at. We got a new horse. Um, so that's really exciting. Shout out Shannon, who's probably listening. She got a new horse because Ooh. her horse passed away. That was very sad for us. He was like our guy's herd leader. Like he was the boss. He was the best. You could throw anybody on him. Like bulletproof, he was, it sounds he like. He was the husband horse. Um, <laughs> and we don't really have anybody like that now. So I'm hoping this new guy is going to be our new, our new guy. Uh, but his name is Target, so yay, congrats, Shannon. Target. On your new horse, he's beautiful. Yeah, we, like, pulled our trailer there so she can stay in it uh, for a few nights while he gets acquainted with everyone, but he's really, really, really pretty, so that's, that's I love that new. commitment on her part to stay there with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for anyone who's introduced horses before, it can be really difficult. And he had a kind of a long trailer journey to get here, so I think he was a little bit nervous and worked up and anyway so that i mean that's sort of new not meant maybe for me personally but i will be riding him and like working with him so welcome target we're very excited for our new guy and marshall is still crazy (laughs) martian martian has entered his kitten era um his vet papers say he's only like seven months old and it shows now that he's comfortable in our house but we love him so that's fine He's providing as much entertainment. <laughs> when we first started this recording, she goes, oh, I can hear Brandon yelling at the cat. But as we know, he doesn't hear very well, so he's really just talking to him. No, but he's entered full, like, he j- fully jumps up on our uh, our curtains, like, at the door. What? Oh, yeah, the back curtains, like, fully jumps onto them. There's, like, little holes you can see in them. I've caught him, like, halfway up. Oh, I, I never imagined that. Yeah, he's like, ooh, this is my space, and I'm going to take it. Oh, fuck you, dog. <laughs> so she was really up in arms about it for the first couple of days, but I was able to leave them alone. Um, yeah. They weren't bothering each other. They weren't going at each other. So that's all I really wanted was to be able to have them in, like, the same space and not fighting. Coexist. In the last day or two, she has really come around. Her energy has shifted. She's, like, walking into his space more. She's willing to go eat when he's over there, whereas before she wouldn't even look at him. Yeah. Um, or, like... Not shocking. Breathe near him. And now she will, like, waltz right past him and go get her food so I don't have to separate their food or anything anymore, which is nice. Um, so they're getting along. Cuties. As well as could be. That's my update. That's all we can ask for. This is my animal update of the day. And I don't have any animal updates, so. You gave me Um, an animal. I have to get to a first aid course in like an hour. So I told Olivia we were going to get kind of right into it. And look at us seven minutes in. (laughs) Typical. We can't do it. It's like our bodies need seven minutes to chat with each other. It's our own seven minutes in heaven. As per usual, Olivia has no idea what I'm doing because this one was a verbal suggestion to me by someone who said they didn't care to be named, so that's fine. It was a family member of mine who honestly recommended an episode of a show to me and said, oh, and you should cover the case. Of course. So, today I'm going to cover Victoria Shakte's case. Oh, okay. According to her parents, she was a tomboy, she was the youngest of five, and if there was something that she could climb, she was going to. 
But her dad said that, like, he frequently had to also climb that thing because she never knew how to climb down. She right. knew how to climb up things, which I think is so funny because we've all been there. Like, oh, God, how yeah. do I get down? I was that kid for sure. I don't like yeah. it down. Yeah. Same. So she spent most of her life uh, living in Innisfail in Alberta. So it's kind of smack dab between Calgary and Edmonton if you look at it the is. map. Yeah. It's literally like kind of like the fork in the road where you can like split and go to either of them as well. So a and lot of people. Very small. Very small. It's very small. I've been there. Yeah. It actually has about 8,000 people at the time of this case. So yeah. it just goes to show. Um, also, when I wrote like Calgary and Edmonton, I don't know if you do this, but like I still write like that system we used to use. Oh, work. yeah. Like CGY, EDM. Yeah, yeah. Like, I still write them like that and I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. Innisfail was settled in 1886 by a coroner from Calgary and he named it uh, the Isle of Destiny after the Irish word Innisfail. So, although it seems weird to have the word fail in it, and it then it stands for destiny. I don't know, but I like it. Interesting. I did not know that. In 2004, when Victoria, but we're going to call her Vicky because that's what her dad calls her. So I think that's what people close to her called her and what she liked to go by. So when Vicky was 16 years old, she was out with her friend and her friend's boyfriend, as well as her own boyfriend at the time. And they were in her boyfriend's car driving around. They were coming back from Spruce View, heading back towards Innisfail on Highway 54 when they were in a pretty horrific car accident. Um, everyone else was fine. They were going about 140 kilometers an hour. So for anyone, like, that's real fast if you don't use kilometers. That is it's fast. very fast. Yep. Um, pretty much all of the impact of this accident happened on, like, Vicky's side and part of the car, like, her fender of the four. Mm -hmm. So she took pretty much all the impact of it. When the paramedics got there, the car was upside down. She was, like, I think unbuckled from the sounds of it. And her head was, like, on the roof of the car. So, like, you know when you see pictures of a car accident and someone's got, like, their hands on the roof because the car's upside down? Yeah. It was like that, but I think her arms were stuck from what I could see. So it was all the pressure on her neck. And her neck actually snapped. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, for anybody that uses miles, 140 kilometers an hour is about 87 miles per hour. So it's quite fast. It doesn't sound much when you put it into miles. That's annoying. No, but if you use miles, it will sound that fast. That doesn't sound high enough. Yeah, it's right. I know, it just doesn't sound high enough because when you see those little, like, conversion charts. To do kilometers an hour to miles per hour, you divide the speed value by 1.60. I just asked Google to do it for me. But anyways, it's really fast and really fast. getting in an accident at that speed would be, I can imagine. Horrific. You would, you would be, yeah. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. So Vicky awakes in the hospital to be told two big pieces of information from this accident. One, she is now a quadriplegic with minimal use of her hands, though, still. So although her arms don't work, she they're optimistic that with rehab, she'll be able to regain some movement in her hands, at least. Okay. <clears throat> which provides her a little bit of hope of independence still with a care aid. 
The second piece of information is that she is pregnant. Oh, wow. At 16, just became a quadriplegic. That's big news. So although normally your family probably would be kind of shocked to find you're pregnant at 16 with a boyfriend that they don't really love. Um, But given the circumstance, her family's just relieved that they both survived. Right. Like they're like, we, we don't even care that you're pregnant at a young age. It seemed like they just cared that her and this baby survived. Yeah. That's now, fair. three months later, so I mean, she was six months pregnant and had no idea, which is, we've heard this from teenagers before, it's not unheard of, mm-hmm. but three months later, she gives birth to a really healthy baby girl, and given her recent chain of events that they've survived, she decides to name her Destiny, also because the town is Isle of Destiny. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So regardless of her new limitations in life, she manages to give birth naturally because she's super headstrong. She believes that it's just her body can still do it and all of her friends and family are like shocked. Yeah. They say she's immediately in love with Destiny and she was so driven to live a normal life and be a mom that she created like new ways to do things. Like she made ways so that she could do day-to-day activities for her and her daughter from her wheelchair. And the rehab center and the hospital and doctors, even, like, over time, were like, can you record yourself doing these things? Because, like, they're pretty fucking amazing, and we would love to show these to other people to give them, like, actually hope. Yeah, like, show them to people to show them they can do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when Destiny comes home uh, from her comes home her parents look at more like accessible options on their house they're deciding if they're going to buy a new house or renovate their current home they end up deciding to modify the existing home just because with costs and everything that seems like it'll be a better option they also decide to use a contractor that's been recently recommended to them named brian malley okay brian malley has recently lost his mother Um, And again, it's a really small town, so he's been referred to them by so many people. So he's recently lost his mother who lived in a wheelchair-accessible home, so he's even kind enough to be like, why don't you rent my house? We'll do the work on yours, because a newborn and her can't live... They just can't live in a construction site as well. Yeah, So that's amazing. The whole home's, like I said, wheelchair-accessible. It's super convenient. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I guess in a small town, it's common for people to have two jobs. So just as a side note, Brian is also a financial advisor in town. Okay. Yeah. I so can see that. I guess he just kind of knows a lot of people that way. I feel like that's kind of, yeah, small towns can be that way where you have people who have like their career and then a lot of people have like a little side hustle or a small business like, or. I could see your brother getting a side hustle should real estate slow down. That kind sure. of thing. Yep. And it wouldn't be weird if he just had, like, this kind of obscure other side job. Sure. So in 2007, Vicky is awarded a large settlement for her accident. Again, it was life-changing. Especially now with the introduction of a baby in the picture. Like, her yeah. life is nowhere near the same. This money was much needed given that Vicky was no longer able to work, there's a newborn baby, the house is being renovated, and her parents are, like, quite in debt from just, like, 
the like her life changed. They were paying for a lot of things they probably weren't expecting to pay for. Yeah. So she decided to use most of the money to help her family, and then a little bit of the money she used to get herself a condo a few years later so that her and Destiny would have their own place, as well as a van that was equipped so that she could actually drive it. Super cool. Yeah. So since Mally is the contractor and also a financial advisor, she naturally reaches out to him just to say, like, you know, I have all this money. I need some help. I don't know what to do with it. I need it to last me my whole life. I need you to invest for me, essentially. Her stepdad is saying, like, yep, he's a money guy. It's worth it. Just listen to what he has to say. In 2007, he suggests taking her existing $575,000 that she has and to borrow an additional 264000 to bump up her investments. He essentially shows her on paper that with this additional increase in investment, she's going to make so much more hmm. for a one-time loan kind of thing. I don't know about that, but okay. Yeah. Again, 2007. I didn't... I don't know. It's just if someone told me to don't. trust someone, I feel like it's hard when your parents tell you to trust someone. No, you just kind of do it. Definitely. I, I'm a, I don't agree. I agree with her trusting him. I'm not saying that she shouldn't have listened. I'm just but you saying, disagree with his advice, which I'm I do I'm sure as well. that you should be borrowing money when you have none coming in because investments aren't guaranteed, but okay. Right, and the only money she's living off of at this point would be her settlement and disability. Yeah, and, like, I don't have a lot of facts, so I can't... I just feel like it It sounds a little bit shady to me, but... It does. Yeah. And it kind of is. Like, we'll get into his knowledge base in a minute and sure. stuff, so... Yeah. So she agrees. They shake hands. She leaves, like, essentially signs over her money, agrees to do all the transfers to his um, accounting, allows him to take over financial control to a certain extent. They also work out a budget as well. So part of that is that she has a monthly caregiver. She has to pay rent. So out of these investments, off of her return, he's supposed to be taking a small amount and putting it in her account at the beginning of every month, just like she's getting paid. So that's right. also part of his job. Sure. Makes so her sense. caregiver, Marlene, said that her, Destiny, and Vicky did like everything together. She was such a hands-on mom. She was even regaining, as they said, motor skills and strength in her hands a bit. Specifically one of them, though. Like, it was getting, like, quite strong again. Okay. So, for a short while, they end up live, moving and living in Red Deer. And Mally stopped including Vicky in her financial conversations the minute that she was, like, distant. Right. She even has money, like, withheld from her. So, she's reaching out saying, okay, I need my deposit for this month. And he just kind of ghosts her. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Imagine your money for your bills is just being held up. Ugh. Well, she has no other money. It's not like it's not like this is a financially wealthy person who's just investing. And, I mean, that's awful when that and kind of money gets. her disability is probably going in there, too. 100%. Her disability is probably getting deposited so there. Everything. Like, she's relying on this person. Yeah. November 25th of 2011, Marlene finds that on the patio to their shared unit now, or home, there is a package. Okay. 
She takes the package inside. She puts it on the kitchen table in front of where Vicky's sitting. But she kind of says, like, I have, like, a really bad juju feeling about this bag. Like, don't open it. Let's just think about it. Don't touch it. Stay away from it. So there's no return address. They call her stepdad, and he also says, like, you're coming over today. Like, you're going to be using my more accessible shower. Like, we'll talk about it then. So they go to her dad's because he has, like, the old big existing wheelchair accessible showers. So, like, once in a while, Marlene and her go over there to get, like, a thorough bathing, which is sure. great that she has access to that still. Yeah. So after that, Vicky's dad is kind of like, wait, it has no return label, this and that. Like, don't touch it. Don't do it. So the odds of there just being no sender is what really freaks him out. There's no identifying marks on the bag. And he says, you know what? After I hear all this, go home and call the police. Yeah. Like, just, that's it. So later that day. If you got a gut feeling, like, what's the harm? Right. And two of the three people are like, don't open it. And I think that Vicky's excitement is only because it's a gift addressed to her. We're all going to be interested in a gift addressed to ourselves. Yeah. So Marlene takes her home, gets her set up, and then she's going to be, I guess, like, leaving or, like, going to the other room. And she kind of says, like, remember, call the police. Don't touch that. Yeah. Unfortunately, Vicky decides to pull the gift closer to her, to her lap, where she can use her hands and start to open the bag. As she opens it, it pulls a drawstring on some part of the gift and it erupts in an explosion Uh. right in Vicky's lap. And you can imagine someone sitting in a wheelchair and they pull it right into their lap. It's really in, like, their core, like their stomach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her neighbor, Evan Schick, who is a firefighter, or a volunteer firefighter, he sees the explosion or kind of hears it from across the street, and he immediately runs over thinking that with his skills he can help or at Mm. least look for signs of life and maybe help people get out of the building. He's also hoping that this is just, like, a stove or a propane tank or a hot water tank that's exploded in an empty house and he's going to run in to find nothing. Yeah. He immediately sees, though, that Victoria is no longer alive. Man. Police go to Victor's home, which is her dad, to let him know that his daughter has been killed in an explosion at her apartment. That's all they know at this point. He immediately knows, though, what it is. I think there's, like... Everyone knows close to her that there's, like, foul play, but I think it takes people a minute. To realize it was the package that you just told her not to open? Oh, no, they know that. Sorry, I thought you meant who did it. Oh, no, I was like, we obviously know it was the the box. Yeah, immediately he's like, fuck, she opened it. Yeah. Yeah. So her brother's heartbroken, too, at the same time as her dad's being told this to see that the news is reporting of an unusual explosion in an apartment. And as he's watching this, he immediately recognizes that that is his sister's complex. Right. Again, she lives in like an apartment style condo, so it's very recognizable. It would have been like if there was if my condo had been on the news, you would have been like, holy crap. Yeah. Like you just know your people's. Homes and buildings. like The building, yeah. I couldn't imagine seeing that on the news. So the family immediately rushes over to her home, and her father is escorted to identify the remains. Her father did, 
and it was Victoria, and he says that he wishes that he had asked someone else to do it, although he knows he had to because he will never be the same. Her yeah. brother also says that it changed her father's entire lens of life that day. Like, he Yikes. just was never quite the same. I Yeah, I can't even imagine. And that's two major tragedies with your daughter. That's not only one, you know? That's yeah, the like second just... major tragedy that you're having to watch her go through and then now yeah. pass away. Like, that's super traumatic. Well, and, like, she's... She's, she's young. young. She's so young. And she young. has this young daughter now, too, that's left motherless. Yeah. Who, thank God, was nowhere near the explosion in the condo. Oh, really? And was okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. Like, no harm to her. Police immediately, given the circumstance that Vicky is, you know, in a wheelchair, this was planned, it was plotted, they can tell, they immediately go to homicide. Based on the crime scene, they can also tell that there was a localized explosion on her lap showing where and what the blast came from. So, once the EDU, so the Explosive Disposal Unit, was able to go in, clear the home, and ensure there was no additional packages or suspicious items, they begin to investigate a crime scene where a single mom in her 20s who's quadriplegic with a care aide, who the fart would bomb her. Well, yeah. let's start with her financial advisor. Yeah. There was only one device that they were able to salvage, and honestly, with explosions, normally, like, nothing survives. So that's why they're so hard to solve. But in this right. case, like, it was a small homemade pipe bomb, so it actually, I think, to the way that Vicky was sitting, she kind of took a lot of the impact. It hit right. her body and her face, and that actually protected Marlene, who has was walking away or going into the other room. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, even, she absorbed a lot of it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, as awful as that sounds. Now, because she had started to take the package out of the bag at the same time, the way she was doing it, the bag and the tag actually kind of, like, blew out to the sides, and they were able to actually get a lot of the gift wrap and the tag with her name on it from the scene. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, along with the hundreds of pieces of evidence that they collected, that was a few of the pieces. Along with galvanized steel that was found with a battery and other items that they were familiar with seeing in bombs. Corporal Canwardeep Dehill uh, with the Major Crimes Unit was the taking lead on Vicky's case. He interviews everyone close to her, including her financial investor. Right. So Mally was asked what he did with her money and where it was at the time, and he very quickly and immediately said, like, oh, it's all gone. Just nonchalantly. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm not shocked. Yeah. That's why you asked her to loan more money. Like, who, what kind of financial advisor would be like, yeah, you just gotta borrow some more. I know. And he's like, well, I guess I should say she has, like, a couple thousand left, but, like, really nothing. He explains that when he made her initial investments, the market was high, it was thriving, it was great, and now the market has dropped, it's crashed, and 
Victoria is completely unwilling to readjust her budget with me to make it work. So she's overspending when the market's down. He totally puts it back on her. He also says that she sends her, like, siblings money out of the money he sends her monthly, and she's too afraid to cut them off. I do not believe him. Yeah. I feel like this asshole's just spending her money and blaming it on her and took advantage of somebody that he saw as vulnerable. Well, and... We come to find out later, like, yes, she does help her siblings. But even in the documentary, like, the first time she calls and says, like, I don't know where my money is right now. I can't help you. Her brother's like, no worries. Yeah. All good. Yeah. I think it was just if she could, she would, but she yeah. wasn't expected to. And he's making it sound like she was this poor person in a wheelchair that her siblings took advantage of and she would feel too bad cutting them off. And she that's had not like it. over 500 grand. Yeah. Plus her loan that she took out. She had about $900,000. Like if you lost it that quick, you're just bad at investing. Or sorry, $800,000. Agreed. And this like, is like. There are lots of investments that are a lot safer than, oh, the market crashed. So all your money's gone. Like that's not Well, and we'll come to find out why this happened. Oh, I'm sure. The way will. he's doing yeah. it. It may not be the longest case, but it definitely piqued my interest after I watched the episode. Oh, I was like, definitely. Okay, I need to know more. <laughs> yeah, so police were shit. really surprised to hear that she had like no money. And immediately they were like, where were you when this bomb went off? Well, that's just it, right? Like the market didn't crash that hard and that fast, bro. Unless you're like awful at your job. Unless you hired a four-year-old on the side of the road to be an investor for this account. Like, I don't know how you did this without foul play and just spending it all yourself. It's totally foul play. That's all it is. 100%. Yeah. It's not possible. No. He says that he was traveling between Red Deer and Innisfail picking up building supplies from a co-worker that could, I guess, vouch for meeting him to, like, hand him supplies, but... It doesn't swear off that he couldn't have been around that day. Right. He also claims that he then would have been driving straight to Edmonton after that because his wife was in Edmonton at the ballet with her friends and he was going to meet her for the remainder of her visit there. Um, but he ends up not going to meet her and he says that instead he just grabbed some dinner alone and went home and watched TV. Mally, though, then decides to just go rogue, and he's, like, calls the police on his own with this tip being, like, have you ever looked into her brother and how into drugs he is? Because that could be the connection. <laughs> Knowing that she has the money, maybe someone retaliated against her. And they're, like, okay, bro. Okay. So they say her brother was a drug trafficker, and the drug hit could have been on her as a sign to get money because her brother was addicted to crack for a while. What an but elaborate like, story. Even the other brother, like, or the brother, I, the way it was interviewed, it pans to a clip of him or of her brother. And I think it was him that had the drug addiction, or it might've been him talking about the other brother, which is what my gut feeling was at first. And he was even like, yeah, he was on crack, but he was fine. Like, like he wasn't that type of drug addict where like, You'd well, think drug dealers would come after our family. Like, no, sure. he did drugs, whatever. You're just choosing a scapegoat. 1,000%. Right. 
Her family immediately, like, poo-pooed that idea. As I said, like, even the brother who was, like, aware of what was going on in the family at the time was like, no, that, no. Like, that's not a thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. They also look into a recent report that Vicky had made about a neighbor in the complex who she believed to be doing gang-related activity, dealing drugs, selling drugs, trafficking drugs. Um, so they, like, talked to Mally a bit more about this because he did spend a lot of time with her in passing to see if she had mentioned this, as well as when they talk to other people, they bring it up, and it's really not that big of a deal either. Okay. Instead, they go the route of leaving a few officers to continue looking into the other sources, but most of them they put on to digging into the investments and where all her investments were located, how high risk they were, and what was going on. They come to find out Mally has been continuously investing people's money into one and only one very high-risk investment account without the customer's knowledge. Um, and no signed paperwork acknowledging that they are aware of the risk of this investment, which is mandatory. The investment totaled about 92% of her portfolio, and she was not even aware of this. Uh, this is illegal, guys. This is highly illegal. What an idiot. Yeah, this isn't like, oh no, he ruined some of her money. No, the like $800,000 he took... 92% of that was in this one stock. So the thousands of dollars that are left are the 8% of her money. That's it. And that's probably not even a full 8% because I'm sure he's used that for other fees and things along the way. I was going to say, and like, why? It would make more sense if you stole it. Why this one stock? Do you not know of any others? Well, then that's what we're not sure really still. Why? But of course, like at this point, this guy's dodging her calls entirely. So Vicky just starts calling his office like over and over to get her money moved for her monthly bills. Eventually, um, his receptionist does answer the phone and she's like, oh, he couldn't do that for you anyway. He's away on a fishing trip. But also like that account doesn't even have enough to make that transfer in it. Also, it's it's in the process of being closed for lack of funds. So she can, like, pull up the account and tell her this. And, of course, now she's like, well, WTF. Yeah, exactly. He's just away fishing and I'm here stressed and not able to pay my, like, daughter's, like, daycare probably. Like, things like that. Like, her care aid. So she immediately calls her brother and her brother is like, I'm really sorry, but, like, I, I don't need the money from you, but I don't have any extra money to help at this moment. Right. Which is fair. She's been loaning him money, and now she's like, can you help me? And he's like, I really can't. So Mally hid all of Vicky's losses, even sending her a total of $44,000 of his own money because he had actually lost most of her money a long time ago, and he was sending his own money for over two years. He lost all that money in like the first year. And that's not shocking. So she only found out because the receptionist told him her. Otherwise, he would have kept kept hiding it from her for sure. Again, I don't understand why. What is this guy getting out of this? I don't know. Now he's paying his own money. Just learn how to be a better financial investor. All right. 
I just don't get it. I don't even think it's about the investing. I think he just, like, genuinely is, like, a maniacal person and likes fucking with people's lives in a way. Like, he started this thing and he just can't stop. He's fucking with his own life. It's a lot of money. So she immediately is calling over and over now to the office, to him, everywhere, demanding her money back. And given that she's now told uh, Delil, I think is his name, the constable, um, he now has enough evidence so that he can start surveillance on Mally. He's like, right. let's see what we can do. Let's try and find some like throwaway DNA that we yeah. can take, like cast off just to see if we can maybe get some DNA confirmation. They do obtain a napkin of his and they send it back to the lab and they wait. Bank accounts show that Brian was buying bomb materials for this bomb uh, about four months earlier than he actually bombed her. So this has been a planned action for quite some time. The items include, as we said earlier, a galvanized steel pipe, gunpowder, end cap, light switch, uh, a battery for a lantern, as well as multiple tiny light bulbs. Like, yeah. So... When the DNA is tried to be lifted from the items that or that were collected from the scene that they're hoping to get Mally's DNA off of, like the tag and stuff, mm-hmm. they're really like, it almost sounds like the lab opened it and was like, yeah, right, we're not going to get anything from this. Right. They get like a tiny, tiny sample of DNA from the tag that her name is written on. Wow. Like almost 0% chance that this happens in explosions. So like. Kudos to this team. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of teams might not even try being an explosion. Yeah, knowing full well that most of it's probably destroyed. destroyed. Yeah. Weirdly, though, the DNA comes back as it's not a full match, so they can't conclusively say. Now, this could be because the DNA sample is diminished. Right. Potentially, so they're not willing to just give up on him. Because now that they have a partial match, they can still link him to it. Right. They're just saying we can't say with 100%, but it's similar to. Okay. So May 25th, 2012, they believe that they have enough evidence with the purchases, the money, and the partial DNA match to try Mally. And they arrest him for first-degree murder and two counts related to creating an explosive and sending an explosive. Her stepdad is, like, literally flabbergasted that it's Mally. Like, he was the one that was like, he's a money guy, he's such a good guy. So I think he was kind of, like, blinded by what is this man. Mm -hmm. Um, But her dad just was, like, immediate rage. Like, immediate was like, he's going down. Yeah. I think we can all appreciate the reaction when it's somebody that you, like, knew and trusted and maybe you consider them a friend of thinking, like, what? Are you sure that it was them? Like, I I can appreciate that response. Yeah, me too. It's hard to believe that somebody that you really trusted would do something like this, especially to somebody that you loved. And, like, when you were the one that told them to use them, like, I, I can see that. No, I totally agree. I'm just messaging this person that I have to do the first date course with. Um, 
But no, I totally agree. Like, imagine being, like, this person that you let into, like, your bank accounts, your finances. Like, that's such personal information. Mm -hmm. So because there's a delay in the trial, well, I shouldn't say a delay. There's a normal proceeding. He's released on bail, or sorry, on bond in June. And he immediately moves with his current wife to his mother-in-law's house in Edmonton. And the RCM key, RCM key. (laughs) The RCMP keep an open mind until the charges are tried and they ensure that they are ruling out all other avenues during this time. They look into Vicky's report of the drug dealer across the street in her complex who may or may not have found out that she made a complaint and retaliated against her because they do believe that would be really the second best option in this case. However, it's rare that gang-related activity that they build pipe bombs. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. When they look into this account, they find that not only was this report years ago but it was also done anonymously Uh. so that's like completely off the table now right they also say that her brother's rival drug gang might have been involved now they like many police departments have insiders or people that will give them certain information that -hmm. they trust inside a gang Someone within this MCU literally came forward and were like, no. It wasn't us. Like, that is such small potatoes. We don't even know. We don't care about that guy. Yeah. Which is exactly what the police thought. And they were just like, thank you for confirming or denying that. At this point, with the supervision that's still happening on Mally, and they're now reaching out to his co-workers to be like, what can you tell us? What can we gather as extra intel? Right. They say that they know that Mally actually rented a garage space for storage a couple months ago, and they find that this was where he was building the bomb. I was going to say. He, yeah. He also made it very clear wandering around like the office that he would say that this Vicky client of his is stubborn and lazy and won't work, and he's so frustrated with her. Like He was like laying groundwork. It was weird. Stubborn and lazy and won't work. She's a quadriplegic. She's a quadriplegic and she doesn't With have to child. work. She has money to pay her bills for a reason. She went to a financial investor to be able to make her money last her forever. And that was you, unfortunately. Yeah, now she's such a pain in the ass because you lost it all because you're bad at your job. <sighs> the audacity. Well, and get this. This piece of shit, he's an ex-police officer. He <sighs> was a police officer from 79 to 82 in Edmonton. He was a constable. But like... The way they explain it in the episode of the show I watched and I had to use the same words because I loved it. They said they released him from duty for unbecoming behavior. I was going to say he's an ex-police officer for a reason. For some reason, I feel like maybe he didn't go on his own accord. No, and he also married his first wife when she was 16 years old. Um, But she eventually had to divorce him because he frequently threatened violence against her and the children. Mm, His second marriage... Also ended in divorce because he cheated on that wife with the branch manager at the investment fund that he currently works at um, named Christine. Now, Christine becomes lucky wife number three, who's now where he's living at his mother-in-law's. Right. What a guy. Also against regulations to marry your boss in an investment fund. I don't understand how many... I don't understand how... 
people so like many this women end up. Well, like, how'd you end up with one wife, let alone three? But we all know that these pieces of shit love bomb and they do all the things. So, yeah, narcissists are capable of a lot. Let's, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. Obviously, Mally's arrest, like, fucking shocks this little town. Sure. It's no longer safe. Her dad mentioned something in this the episode, like, it's it took away our small town values because now we have big town crime or right. something like that. And it was like, he's so right. Well, and you have this, like, probably one financial investor that so many people were using, and now they so have to all check their accounts to see if their money's all gone because this guy's lying. Yeah. And I feel like because a lot of people that invest their money, aren't they don't want it right now. They want it in 20 years, years, 30 or, years. Yeah. And so we see this all the time on financial documentaries, like the Madoff documentary, where these people don't really get caught. Not looking at it. Because. Until people want their money out, which doesn't really end up being for a long time because you're exactly right. People are looking at it. Now he has this client who needs regular access to money, who needs money on a regular basis to literally pay her bills and live her livelihood. And so she is costing him a lot of money because he's having to pay so much out of his own pocket to keep up this ruse going where his like kind of regular clients, he wouldn't need to do that because they're not looking. They don't want their money. Totally. And we do come to find out that his other elderly clients that he did similar situations with, because obviously he's going to have a few of them. He was also taking advantage of them. Of course. Like, why are you taking advantage of the quick turnaround clients? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. It's just a real easy way to get caught. Like, don't take advantage of any of your clients and just be, like, a stand-up person. Have integrity uh, in your line of work. However, like, why are you being stupid if you are trying to keep this going? We say this all the time. Like, we we love that criminals are stupid because then they get caught. But at the same 100%. time, like, if you're going to go out of your way to do these, like, crazy things that are clearly against the law, why aren't you planning more accordingly? Just, That's like, all. be less stupid. Whatever. Fuck them. January 2015. <laughs> His trial begins. Marlene is interviewed, so the care aide, and yeah. she says that they had a great um, week that week. There was no reason for them to have had any concern for this to happen. They had just had a pizza party the night before to celebrate Marlene's Amazing. new working visa being renewed. So that meant they Aww. could stay working together because that made them so happy. This is so um, cute. Yeah. And like 10 days earlier, though, she did say that she witnessed one of the phone calls between Vicky trying to get a hold of Mally to demand her money. And it was like heated and stressful. And she felt so bad for Vicky. Yeah. And not to mention that there was just like this really traumatic story she told about being in the apartment like with that okay like it was just sitting there listening to this woman like struggle and not be able to pay her bills and worry that she now can't pay marlene and just like she's like it was so traumatic watching her go through that as someone Mm -hmm. who's quite defenseless right the constable then takes the stand next and explains that the DNA match was inconclusive picked up from the tissue. Like, they cannot with 100% sure say that it was his. However, they can say that it's similer to. It's conclu- or it's, what's the right wording? 
I feel like they can probably see some matching markers, but they can't see them all. Like the DNA exactly. is eroded. It's like an 80% match kind and of And so what they're able to see matches, but they don't have it all. So they can't mm-hmm. say it's a normal match. Like we would, like the normal standard yeah. of a DNA match, they're unable to say. This is my guess. My guess would be that it's slightly eroded or degraded, whatever. And so the markers they can see match, but they can't see them all. Yeah, that makes sense. Because how else would you be able to say, like, it's similar, but we can't conclusively say yeah. it matches? You'd have to have some, because, you know, like, when, when they, you can, we've all watched the documentaries, like, when they put them in the computer, like, that is what it looks like when they're, they're looking for those matching markers. So my guess would be that, like, some of them match, but some of them are not there. Yeah, like, unavail- that would make sense. Unavailable. It's a segment of it. Yeah. Yeah. So months later, a matching pipe was found at Mally's mother-in-law's house, actually. So they're able mm-hmm. to then have additional evidence. Um, and this is actually, like, during the trial still. They were like, uh, while we were doing further investigating, we kind of found some more stuff. That pipe bomb, um, or sorry, in that garbage, they also found one end cap that was purchased. But then they realized that because he bought the two bombs... The pipe they found, he had taken one of the end caps off to use it because he needed one additional, so that would make sense. Right. The defense says that all items were naturally items that someone who is a contractor or hunts like this person would make sense. There's no reason to believe that there's anything wrong with him buying these things. Hunters just, like, make pipe bombs now? Yeah, exactly. Seems legit. Two weeks into the trial, um, some unsettling information is brought forward by one security guard and seven jurors. Brian's wife, Christine, has been sitting outside the courtroom making videos of all the jurors being escorted out, as well as taking pictures of the officers, the security guards, and anyone who she might be able to like catch them saying something on the way out to use for him. Immediately, the judge is like, so she's tampering with my jury. Yep. Uh, One juror, number nine, is very concerned about her family. She's even interviewed three times about her complaints. But she says that given that she's, like, been heard and taken care of and she knows they're watching out for her, she's willing to stay and see through the trial because she's already been there for so long at this point. Good for those jurors. Right? So Christina is banned from the courtroom and Mally is found guilty on all three accounts. All three accounts. All three counts. <laughs> Her father um, says at the end of the day that it was kind of uneventful hearing him be sentenced anyway. Especially when they let him kiss his wife and daughter goodbye. He never let me kiss Vicky goodbye. Yeah. There was a six hour deliberation window for this jury as they were pretty set on their decision like six hours after weeks and weeks of trial is not much they take six minutes probably maybe they all had to like use the washroom and get a bottle of water and stuff so who knows (laughs) mally's defense tries to say that christine's presence affected the outcome in the way of them voting to convict him but the prosecution says like she would have been pestering them to vote to not convict him so that makes no sense and your point is stupid like he is arguing that his own wife's presence tampered with the verdict yeah but saying that like that got him convicted 
LOL. Not that that got him let off. Yeah. She, well, was maybe you should have thought about that because I'm sure you were in on that behavior. Yep. Like, oh, it didn't go in your in your favor. You don't get to appeal for that. Yeah. No. And they looked at that and then they tried to say that the police officer did something wrong as well, the constable, and those were both dismissed, like, immediately. Like, they didn't even really hear him out. They were like, no, they didn't. Shut up. Bruh, the only thing you did wrong was not mind your own business and do your job correctly. Like... Well, and two years later, the Supreme Court denies even seeing him. So they were like, no, you've already been told your appeals mean shit. Right. And... He now is faced with, like, just millions in dollars in class action lawsuits. He was taking advantage of multiple elderly clients with a now open claim of $50 million. I saw quotes of 80, but I know 50 for sure. He didn't tell them the risk. He sold them really risky stocks over and over rather than doing anything else. He would add loan value. He would also spend, like, pretty much his entire small town's life savings at one point because he did manage so many people's money that they were saying that it was astronomical. I just want to know why. Like, did he get really There's high... There's no re- reason why. ...high returns on these specific well, investments for himself? he did. He got really big himself. commissions from selling these stocks to these, these specific people. stocks. Okay. So they were taking out loans, buying more stocks, so and got more sense. commission. So he's getting higher commissions on those. So he's making more money... But is he? Because he has to pay them back. Not really. Well, and he's paying her monthly to hide this. So it's like, what is he actually coming out above? Well, that's, yeah. Honestly, a lot of the financial stuff as of 2015, an undisclosed settlement was reached. I think because, again, these people are in sensitive situations. Yeah. Um, They didn't disclose what was made from it. And I think that's actually nice of them in this circumstance. Mm Mm-hmm. And this piece of shit is now in his 60s serving life with no parole for 25 years. Thank God for that. Goodbye. Destiny is being raised by her aunt and her grandpa at this time and living a happy life. That's nice. I'm so happy that she survived and that they have a little piece of Victoria um, to to move forward with their life. Well, I hope that they, like, still see Marlene. Yeah, like, of course, nothing can bring her back, but I think it's nice that they're able to raise her daughter, and yeah, hopefully they still have contact with Marlene, and like, fuck this guy. Right? Fuck this guy. See you never. Well, I'm gonna leave you here. That was my case. That was wildly interesting, and also very sad. I feel like when money is involved and people are taken advantage of, it just adds this, like, extra layer yeah. For me, that's super sad, but it's always sad. It's just, why you gotta go after people's livelihood, man? Yeah, he took everything from these people. Everything. He took everything from so many people and then took lives. Like, come on. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank I'm gonna you go for get first aided. Coming back, Katie's gonna go learn how to save all of our lives in first aid. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, don't forget to follow us on socials and wherever you're listening and leave a five-star rating and review. And that's it. See you next week. Bye. Wow. Wow. That was quick. It was. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fuck me.